river in the sky keeps on rolling. Welcome to No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast. I'm Carlos at Equity Bruin on Twitter. Joining me today from the comfort of her own home, Avery at Brave Grapes. Hey. Greg at Bananamorphs. Greg at Bananamorphs. Greg at Bananamorphs. <laughs> You're muted. <laughs> Let's start I over. I have no idea why it kept muting me. I swear to God I've unmuted three times. I swear to God I have unmuted three times and this keeps happening. <laughs> Matt at no pit stops. Matt at no pit stops. Are you fucking kidding me? What is wrong with everyone? That was on purpose. I enjoyed that. That was fun. Okay. Good one by Uh, me. Credit to me on that. Good job. Good job, Matt. And for the last time ever on no truck stops, read at MF underscore read. Why is he here? I'm just surviving one episode at a time. (laughs) survive in advance oh chaotic start already avery you're a homeowner now i'm literally inside your home i'm the first i'm your first house guest yeah uh how does it feel to Mm, be tenant (laughs) tenant please (laughs) (laughs) you you had to buy groceries didn't you that i did they forced me to buy groceries sounds like a tenant Uh, to me they forced me to buy groceries they made me walk to go get their food in like 40 degree weather uh it was none of this happened (laughs) Uh, how does it feel to be a rich landlord homeowner? Uh, My you, own landlord. Aren't you bringing in your partner's brother? Yeah, but like way below the price <laughs> of rent. Like nothing. That's fair. Um, Feels good. Anyway, you're going first in the revolution, sadly. So, but oh, and then Matt. Matt, oh, Matt what am I talking about? And he's got a tenant, his mom. How much is your mom paying rent? Zero dollars because I'm a good person. Yeah, so Avery goes first, and then we go after Matt. Um, <laughs> anyway, thank you for joining us. Quick programming note, our basketball episode drops on Tuesday at 5 a.m. Pacific, as it will every week from here on out. We dropped our big preview last week, so if you want to try to catch up, uh, go check that out. I also wrote a fucking long Pac-12 basketball preview. That is up on our Patreon. Uh, also, that's uh, no truck stops. Dot com uh, And this Tuesday, we're going to review opening day of Pac-12 Hoops. Uh, there's a bunch of really garbage basketball games, but we're going to play some fun games to make sense of them all and, and talk about Pac-12 basketball as we ramp up into the season. Also, please leave us a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. We are still stuck at 3.3 stars on Apple, and we keep getting five-star reviews. So the math just not in our favor recently for whatever reason. But shout out to our homie on Twitter, left a five-star review, Lebo Jangles. He left a five-star review writing, I let this show breathe for a while before jumping in. Nice to listen to a Pac-12-ish, Pac-12-ish pod that Ish. does some preparation. Good stuff. Thank you very much. We do do actual preparation. I do actual preparation <laughs> on this goddamn show, and I'm glad someone notices, uh, unlike the other clowns who host this podcast. I prepare. Oh, that's right. You did prepare. Thank God. Thank God for Avery. Thank God for uh, Avery Grapes. Lastly, all kinds of content on our Patreon at NoTruckStops.com. I just talked about our huge Pac-12 basketball written preview. Go check that out. That was a a lot of work. Uh, Avery and I are going to hopefully drop our episode over reacting to the Pac-12 results. Uh, We did not do that last week. Yeah, I was traveling. I'm literally here right now. Maybe we should do something on the car ride back to Seattle. And uh, Greg and Matt have their gambling focus preview that drops by Thursday morning. 
Reed is doing, uh, he's now on his third, he's going to go on to his third preview of the game of the week on our Patreon. Did you uh, pick your game of the week already, Reed? I'm leaning towards Oregon UW, but I, I haven't locked it in. Homer. <laughs> I don't know, that's probably, no, it's, that's it's probably pretty right. clear. It's the correct Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't <laughs> think of anything else that's that's at that level. Yeah, the slate is, the slate is, the slate's Once the past again, couple weeks. boring. Yeah, not good, not good. This is ASU Wazir erasure, I won't stand for it. <laughs> let's start with a recap of all that went down in the pac 12 this past weekend matt please take us away i actually have to do something now uh friday night in the rain shadow if you don't know what a rain shadow is read a fucking book oregon state controlled the game in seattle but ultimately lost as uw kicked a field goal with eight seconds left to win 24 to 21 good teams win great teams cover and bivla is a great team keep them ranked you cowards Saturday, Wazoo blew out Stanford 52-14 to after being up 42-7 to at the half. Oregon uh, blew out Colorado 49-10, to and Utah blew out Arizona 45-20. to In the late night, uh, the L.A. schools fought off the vibes, let their opponents within one score in the fourth quarter, but ultimately USC beats Cal 41-35, to and UCLA beats the Sun Devils. 52-36, I want the entire USC team arrested for making me watch more than five minutes of Cal. That was bullshit. <laughs> That's happened multiple times this season where we end up watching way too much Cal only to be disappointed by Cal. So annoying. It's so annoying. Uh, we're like, oh, man, Cal's going to do it. And they don't. Of course they don't. They never do. Uh, well, thank you for that, uh, Maddie Slurber. We're hey, my pleasure. Really appreciative <laughs> for, for putting that together. Let's start with the most exciting and consequential game of the week. Uh, Matt alluded to it. UW, Oregon State. Avery, how about you recap this one for us? Yeah, Carlos and I uh, had the pleasure of traveling to Seattle to see this game. And I was told the weather was going to be really insane because of something called an atmospheric <laughs> river. I don't know what the river fuck that is, in but the sure. Sky keeps um, on rolling. <laughs> Much like the weather, this game ended up being more underwhelming than I thought it would be. Oregon State went up pretty quickly, 7-0 on their first drive. Um, and for the first time this season, UW did not score on the first drive of the game. On the next drive, Jonathan Smith decided to go for it on fourth instead of kicking a field goal, which allowed Washington to tie the game on their next drive. Michael Penix ended the first half with a pick six, which isn't really like him, but was electric nonetheless. We were in the... Oregon State section, so that was really fun. Um, the second half was kind of boring. Going into the end of the fourth, they were tied 21-21. UW made a field goal at the end of a five-minute drive to put this game away, and it ended up being much more boring than I thought. UW is now 7-2 and two on the season. Oregon State is 6-3. and three. Reed, what did you take away from this game? It really felt like Oregon State had this game to win. I think early in the game, they had the two drives stall out on fourth downs in UW territory, and those missed opportunities definitely cost them as the game wore on. Uh, they weren't able to throw the ball at all. That was a huge issue. Their secondary was really good until it kind of wasn't able to finish the job. Uh, Damian Martinez continues to be very important running back for them, but I was disappointed that the Beavs couldn't get this done because I thought that it was there for them. Yeah, I agree. I feel like this wasn't like a good, like a Washington win. It felt more like an Oregon State loss, especially since it's on the road in Seattle on a Friday night. The home team typically wins that game, but like Oregon State was in control of this game, like almost the entire game, and just couldn't make any separation happen. And 
personally, my favorite part about this game is that Ben Golbranson uh, threw only the ball only 19 times, and that's what we want from Oregon State. But somehow, their running game just couldn't get anything fucking going. And Damian Martinez was still good in this game. It's just, I don't know. Washington State doesn't have an elite defense at all, so it was kind of frustrating that Oregon State couldn't pull away. Matt, what about you? What did you think of this game? Um, I mean, it was a win game like this. I think that a lot of what you saw out of Washington's offense was kind of predicated by that. I think that's why Oregon State didn't kick the uh, the field goals, obviously, because of the win that was going on at the game. I have so many thoughts. I will try to talk about the game before I get into the um, the announcers in this game, because that was <laughs> the funniest it. shit that happened all weekend. It was um, great. Oh, it my was God, it's hilarious. But otherwise, I mean. Oregon State, I thought, did a really good job. I thought that the Oregon State defensive backs did a really good job covering the yeah. UW wide receivers. They they have a really good unit, and I thought that they were able to um, – UW wasn't getting separation there, and then and then it was Penix missing. Like, those were le- – there was a lot of legitimately tight throws um, that just weren't happening. So, I, I, ultimately, like, this is why we picked UW in, in the main show last week where it's just Friday night road teams, Oregon state on the road is an actual cardboard boat. Like it, it just kind of, it was what it was. And UW was able to start to figure things out offensively in the second half as the wind died down. Yeah. Oregon state was not good uh, on the road has not been good on the road. Even this season, they've, they've looked better, I think than they did last year. I will say Oregon state, first of all, this game felt like, this game felt tight. It was a fun game. Uh, it felt like it was back and forth. And kind of towards the end, I did not know who was going to be able to pull away with it. I was impressed. Uh, I'm going to say defense is plural uh, just because, you know, Oregon State only got 21 points. But I am I was particularly impressed with Oregon State's defense. I think uh, they have, I think it's very clear to me that they have the best defense in the Pac-12. Yeah. Uh, that secondary was insane. I like was watching this game. We were watching this game live and it was like, Watching those defensive backs get pass breakup after pass breakup after pass breakup after pass breakup was was nuts. It was fucking insane against elite receivers. Yeah, these are great receivers. Roma Dunze, like they were they were shutting these passes down. They were right there. It wasn't even just Michael Penix throwing bad throws. Like they were tight on coverage. It was awesome. It was great. And and even when it looked like they might have been beaten, there's someone who's just really reactive and responsive who's coming over to to help out. So I, I was really impressed with that. I felt like it really felt like Oregon State should have won this game given how they played defensively, uh, given how good the run game was. The problem is they have a bottom three quarterback situation in the Pac-12. Ben Gilbranson is so fucking bad. Um, <laughs> like, I don't even know how to put this into words. I I think Ben Gilbranson and Colorado quarterback JT Stroud are the exact same person. I think they're the same play level. I think they play the exact same way. They just can throw the ball really far, and that's that. But the issue with Oregon State is, like, they have no other fucking option with Chance Nolan being out, and apparently... Uh, Tristan Tristan Jebbia is that his name? Tristan Jebbia, yeah. He is just like out forever, and he's just a coach on the team now, or some shit like that. It's it's sad. It's sad to see this happen to Oregon State, and hopefully Chance Nolan comes back soon because this is getting really concerning. Yeah, with with like an average level level quarterback. In fact, like I could pick nine different quarterbacks that could have won this game for Oregon State. Jack Plummer. Jack Plummer. Game. <laughs> Jack, Jack Plummer. If Jack Plummer were, were here, we're at Oregon State. 
Oregon State would have won this game. Oregon State might have only lost one one game by this point. Uh, it's bad right now with Ben Colbranson. I think people are blaming a lot of Ben Colbranson's throws on their weather. The weather was not bad. It was not that windy. It was like slightly breezy at the end, like the last five minutes of the yes. game. It was kind of got kind of weird and windy, but like the rest of the game, the weather was extremely mild. I would say like a normal football game <laughs> in November in Seattle. Like it was totally mild and he was overthrowing wide open receivers over and over again for like every single pass attempt it was just overthrowing the ball it was very painful to watch some explosiveness stuff oh greg you 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 got to weigh in on this game go ahead totally agree i thought oregon state was the better team for most of that game uh i expected them to win like fairly comfortably just from the way they looked in the first half but as you said go branson just uh he can't get it done and it is is very sad to see when you can't take advantage of a UW secondary that is so bad, uh, it's concerning. And it's not like Oregon State's receivers weren't getting open. Yeah. That was really concerning for them going forward. Definitely makes me even less confident than I was that they're going to be able to get Oregon at the end of the season. But uh, overall, y'all said most of what I wanted to say, except for we haven't talked about the beauty that was the announcers and more specifically <laughs> Andre Ware during that game. I have never seen any quarterback get complimented more after a pick six than Michael Penix. You're kidding. It was so fun. Every time he did During anything. During the pick six. It was incredible. During find, the pick six, yeah. Find anything in your life that like anybody, anybody thinks you're as good at something as the way this commentary team talked about Michael Penix. Anything. So funny. Like, I, it could be your handwriting. I don't care. Find something. It he was throws amazing. an incomplete pass into double coverage, and Andre Ware's just like, oh, that was so good. <laughs> like a hot knife through butter. <laughs> they, so they had the sideline reporter doing a hit um, and talking about how he was like, guys, like, I don't think anybody at home understands like how windy it is down here and how hard it is to throw like in this wind. And Michael Penix, like, just his arm is like a hot knife through butter, and not a quarter of a second later. It was the was when the pick six got caught and like taken. Like it was unbelievable. It was so funny. We were on like row ten and it wasn't that fucking windy. Yeah. I can't imagine it was that much windier on the actual field until like the end of the game. Yeah. And that pick six, like it was a good play by the linebacker, but also like not that good of a play. Like it was a bad yeah. throw. Um, but thank God for Michael Mothership. <laughs> oh, Michael Mothership. So I think we need to talk about how like the lights just randomly went out to start the fourth quarter. Like just right, the lights right. turned off. And apparently these are the fancy lights that take like 15 minutes to turn on. Nobody knew what was going on. Um, but thank God for Michael Mothership. Really clear he literally walked out on the field and he's like uh the lights turned off and they're working on getting him back on and then he like <laughs> walked off and we sat there for like 25 minutes waiting oh my <laughs> goodness weird curse game well he also had a couple of moments was it not in this game where they had where oregon state got called for 12 men on the field and they had to pick up the mm-hmm. flag oh, because yeah. he there was actually only 11 yeah they couldn't count oh, right i forgot <laughs> they about had to that stop one. and do they had to do a replay. Oh, the phantom timeout on Oregon uh-huh. State had a third down attempt, oh, and they like whistled the play, play dead. Oh. And then it, they thought it was because there was a timeout, and there was not a timeout, and it was really embarrassing. <laughs> oh my god, this game was 
very, very, very weird. And from the referees, apparently to the to the broadcast, to the lights turning off, this had all of the makings of a of a vintage cursed Pac-12 game. Um, Chad in the <laughs> chat pointed out that Oregon State should run the Wildcat with Jack Coletto since he was a quarterback before. And you know what? Why not? Why the fuck not? If Chance Nolan's not going to be healthy... It certainly can't be worse. It couldn't possibly be worse than yeah. what we have right now. Yeah. One quick thing I wanted to ask. First of all, does anyone have the post-game... Reed, you usually have the post-game win expectancy up at the ready. Do you have that, by yeah, the way? Yeah, give me one second here. Uh, it was Oregon State 76%. Yeah. That yeah. that right there is the biggest indication that Oregon State really should have won this game. Should have kicked the field goals. I wanted to. I have a very specific question for Matt uh, because I know that you pay attention a lot to explosive play rate. Explosive play rate in this game, abysmal for both teams. Uh, it was abysmal for both teams, and if you look at the some of the drive numbers, they both got uh, Oregon State at eight point two nine plays per drive. Washington had ten point eight. That's a lot. That's pretty high. Uh, Oregon State gained 64% of its available yards. Washington gained 75%. Both of those also pretty high. Um, and again, neither of them were had, had... They both had a very low explosive play rate. So, I don't know, Matt. Do you feel like that... How much of that factored into this game, like the lack of explosiveness for both teams? And is that, like, concerning for one of these more than the other? No, because of... I, I know Avery's saying it wasn't that windy. I it was that windy. <laughs> like um, it, wasn't. It, didn't, it didn't feel that it didn't way. Feel windy, and their towels weren't blowing maybe around on, or anything. Maybe on the field it looked know. that way. Their maybe towers on the field were, those worse. The player towels, like watching it on TV, the player towels were blowing a lot. Like the little mm. towels that they have on their on the back of their hips. Like especially when you're in the stadium, it's really hard to judge wind because of like the way that the stadiums will play through wind. Especially UW having that open side, like you'll get a channel of wind through there that you won't necessarily feel in the stands. Like there was several throws, especially any deep throw, that like I, I know Gil Branson's bad. I, I get it. I'm not arguing that Gil Branson's bad. P5 college quarterbacks don't miss that throw by 20 yards. That like that. Like it's not. <laughs> no, he he's done that in other games though. Like, yeah. this isn't new. I'm not giving them credit for the win. Grow up. Be better. Rise above the win. You are in the Conference of Champions. I expect more from you. All right. Any Anything else about this uh, this game? All right. This was a, a fun one. There's a, a, I, think a, I think this game has some serious implications. We can get to that a little bit later. Let's move on. Uh, USC escaped Cal 41-35. Uh, USC actually led this game 34 to 14 going into the fourth quarter, but then Cal scored on back to back possessions after they recovered an onside kick uh, to cut it within one possession. Uh, the Trojans and Bears then went back and forth trading scores before USC iced it late with their run game. So in the end, USC walks away with another win. Matt, let's start with you. Should USC be worried after just barely beating a bad Cal team in LA? Um, does this game give you like any indication at all into what either Cal or USC is this late in the season? Um, I put up like my Pac-12 rankings, and Cal is in the tier five that I labeled. I'm so sick of your shit. Please just go away. Um, <laughs> I don't want to intake any more Cal. I've had enough. Thank you very much. Um, USC. I also mentioned is a loss away from me demoting them to to tier five. I'm I'm sick of USC mm. shit. I don't want to watch them anymore. Um, the problem is, is that like as you project this forward and say, it, should USC be concerned, 
not any more than they should have been concerned in week two and week three and week four and every fucking week of the season. Like this is just who USC is and continues to be and it continues to work and they can't keep getting away with this and it sucks. Like I, I am, I I get that allowing Cal to do what they did offensively should be a huge harbinger of like concern so like maybe Notre Dame can hurt them or maybe Oregon or maybe us like UCLA will put up a hundred points, which they would have done anyways. Like I just, there's only so many possessions. It's not like you can score more than eight points on a, on a possession. And so like their offense is going to continue to be such a weapon that I truly, as you look at the top four teams, Carlos, you kind of talked about this a little bit on Twitter today. I think that USC might have the best path to the playoff out of any of the four teams, while being what I consider to be considerably the worst mm-hmm. out of the four teams, yeah, it was not a it it was it was a a, a brutal look for USC. I think uh, kind of on both sides of the ball. But Avery, you you and I kind of watched this on the second screen. What did you think of this game? Did you have any impressions about USC? Do you feel worried about them? I don't. Can I talk about Cal? Yeah, you can talk about. Cal. Um, is Jack Plummer good? <laughs> I like spent so long suppressing the idea that was Jack Jack Palmer is good, but I'm I'm jumping on the boat now full force. He had 49 attempts, which is a lot, I would say. Um behind that offensive line, 35 completions, 406 yards and he averaged 8 yards per attempt, which is behind that offensive line is pretty fucking good. I know USC's defense is is really bad, but um all things considering, how is Cal not winning any of these fucking games? I'm disappointed in Cal. I think Justin Wilcox is losing on purpose for some reason. Um, but Jack Plummer is good. You heard it here first. Any other, uh, before we go back to USC, any other thoughts on Cal? Jaden Ott's been very quiet. Yeah. It's been kind of sad. But I think it's because of the offensive line. This offensive line is really fucking bad at run blocking. Yeah. Uh, I think their defense is good. Like I felt like they did a really good job against USC defensively early on. USC kind of broke the dam a bit towards the end. But Cal's defense is back to being like, you know, top 40 level. That's probably good enough for second best in the Pac-12. I'd still put Oregon State above them. But um, but yeah, I don't know. Why, why are we talking about Cal? Let's keep talking about USC. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, hey, Greg, what about you? Did you have any thoughts about this game and USC in particular? I don't have a ton of thoughts about the game because I was also watching on a second screen, but uh, USC in the second half is concerning. Like, when was, how many times this season have they looked like the better team in the second half of like at all? It is, I just it blows my mind how they continue to be so bad, and I feel like it's a massive concern because they have to play UCLA again. Uh, not again. They have to play UCLA, and as Matt said, UCLA is going to put up a hundred on them. I don't think their offense is consistent enough to keep up with what UCLA is going to do to their defense. And if they manage to get to the Pac-12 championship, despite that, they're going to get torched by whoever else is there. I just, I don't have a ton of confidence in USC anymore. But Kayla Williams will look good while doing it. He will he's look good. Fucking electric and really good player. Reed, what about you? What did you think about this game? What did you think of USC? Their defense definitely took a hit like we talked about. And then I agree with Greg. The offense isn't quite as consistent as I think we hoped it would be. And that means that in the shootouts they're going to be set up with against UCLA, 
and whoever they play in the Pac-12 title game, I'm not sure that I really trust them to come out on top of those games. And then the other game that's weird is that Notre Dame game to end the season that Matt talked about. That's the one where it will really test for me, like, how bad is this defense? And if Notre Dame gets to 35, Notre Dame has a pretty good defense of their own. So that could be a tough spot for USC. Uh, I definitely push back on the fact that they have the easiest path to the playoffs because I don't know if I do trust them to win the type of games they have to against the best teams in the Pac-12. I'd say that uh, I'd say that USC has uh, it has a favorable schedule. I think Oregon has the by far by far the toughest path of the four. Um, and after that, it's like. You know, they get UCLA, so they'll have a shot, shot to prove themselves there, and Utah has to go on the road to Oregon. So in, in some senses, that's true. But given the way USC is looking right now, like I, it's just really hard to – I mean, y'all have said it. It's hard to trust their defense right now. Uh, Cal, Cal did remarkably well. Jack Plummer cooked uh, USC's defense. And, like, you know, Cal uh, – like, Jack Plummer might actually be, like, a good quarterback, um, but his offensive line still isn't that good. Uh, they should. There should be no reason for Jack Plummer to even be upright enough, uh, upright long enough to to be able to make the throws that he was making. So, I don't know. the The hard part is is that Caleb Williams does look like the most talented quarterback in the Pac-12, uh, and USC's receivers definitely look like the best core of receivers in the Pac-12. You know, Washington and Arizona are up there, but like. You know, maybe you're splitting hairs, but USC is up there. And so and so many times during this game against a pretty good Cal defense, it felt like it didn't matter. Like, it just felt like Caleb Williams is going to be able to escape whatever the hell he wants and then chuck it downfield and get 40 yards. And if we believe that explosiveness is, you know, the 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 big indicator of how well a team's going to do, if we really think it has that much predictive power, USC probably has the most explosive offense in the Pac-12. I think that feels very clear to me. So it's weird thinking about what USC looked like in this game and what that means for the rest of their season. Uh, but I don't know. I'm they definitely, I would definitely say that they're fourth. They're very definitively the fourth best team in the PAC 12 at this point. All right, let's move on to talk about UCLA and Arizona state UCLA BASU 50 to 36 in Tempe behind 344 rushing yards without Zach Charbonnet, along with some, you know, quintessentially ridiculous DTR plays. Uh, UCLA actually built a 42-18 lead midway through the third quarter, kind of kind of the way USC did, and then and they blew it. UCLA also blew it. They took their foot off the gas. They put in their backups, uh, which led the Sun Devils to cut the lead to six with just 6.24 to go in the game. In the end, UCLA put this one on ice, also with a touchdown drive to go up 50-36 to 36 and, and put this one well out of reach. So, Avery, let's start with you on this one. Were you impressed with UCLA, unimpressed with them? Were you more impressed with Arizona State? Like, what are you taking away from this game? Watching this game at the exact same time as the USC Cal game was extremely fucking confusing, <laughs> especially since I was drunk. <laughs> like, having one on the iPad and one on the TV was very weird because the color schemes were all very similar. Uh, the teams were doing very similar things. But I think, considering that Zach Charbonnet wasn't playing, I don't know if I feel bad about UCLA for this game. Um, I was impressed by DTR's two successful hurdles. That's <laughs> always a treat when he gets more than one in one game. Um, I remember back in 2019 yeah, in the where they, they all yeah, 
they all failed they all used to fail and go very poorly yeah. but they're good now and that's been fun but i think ucla um doing that well on the rushing front without zach charbonnet is super impressive because i personally wasn't a huge fan of the rest of their running back room um so uh it was it was it was impressive it was cool dtr was pretty quiet in the passing game and i don't know if there was a reason for that i think he only had like 20 attempts but all i think it's a good win uh especially since when arizona state started to come back it, at least it was against the second string and not the first string that would have been a little bit more embarrassing Greg, what about you? What are you taking away from this one about UCLA? I'm not really concerned about UCLA after this one. Uh, no Charbonnet. I guess that didn't really end up mattering because their offense cooked the ASU defense. I mean, I'm just looking at some of the stats from this game. UCLA had a 56% success rate, uh, over nine yards per play. Uh, <laughs> that's a lot. Uh, yes. And like like Avery said, the comeback came against the backups. I really think a lot of this was just UCLA knew they'd won the game at halftime. And, you know, it just didn't really matter after that. I still think of UCLA as the second best team in the conference after this. Their offense is fantastic. And I think the big difference is, as we talked about with USC, I think UCLA has a consistency that USC doesn't. Uh, like I, I just trust them to not make mistakes more, which is fantastic to say about DTR. Like just the improvement that he's made over the course of his career is really cool. And I'm, 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 I'm getting excited about a UCLA-Oregon rematch in the Pac-12 title game. I think that could be really good. UCLA's offense is truly insane. Uh, despite not having Zach Charbonnet, Casimir Allen, like, just incredibly fucking fast. Uh, he was blowing through uh, defenders, like, blowing past them. Uh, Keegan Jones actually had a good game after, you know, some stuff kind of, uh, there were some clips coming going around after last week around Keegan Jones, just completely missing wide open holes. Uh, (laughs) uh, but he, he had a much better game this year. And this, this game, uh, Colson Yankoff, the Washington quarterback transfer from like three years ago, who switched over to receive to receiver. And now he's like a running back. Uh, he had a pretty, (laughs) he had a pretty good game. Um, so it almost felt like Chip Kelly was like, oh, everyone's saying that UCLA's running game would suck without Zach Charbonnet. And it got like 350 yards, which is uh, uh, truly unhinged. I also think defensively, like a- I- ASU, we'll to, we-, we-, we can talk about ASU next after we hear from um, hear from everyone about UCLA. But it, it, ASU's offense is not bad. Like X Valade is a good running back. Trent, uh, Trent Bergay, a pretty decent quarterback. Certainly better than whatever Oregon State has going on. If Oregon State had Trent Bergay, they probably would have beaten Washington. Um, I, I was impressed with UCLA's defense, given the fact that this was they sort of shut them down kind of early-ish. Um, it was you know largely non-competitive. Arizona State had a hard time getting things going. UCLA's defense is not great, but it's certainly you know maybe fourth in the Pac-12, third in the Pac-12, which is not great again. But um, so overall, and one thing. Uh, that we should mention is they didn't lose a trap game. This is a uh, UCLA Mm -hmm. loses these kinds of games on the road against a team that's maybe surging that has a little bit of talent, uh, especially feeling high about themselves like seven and one. They, 
they just beat Stanford. Like, they lose these games historically, and they haven't lost these kinds of games really since the beginning of last year. They didn't lose to any losing teams in 2021. Now, they didn't beat any winning teams in 2021, but they have a couple of those under their belt now. So, Trent Borgay was very good in this game. Yeah. Well, let's get to let's get to Arizona State. I mean, I want to get Reed's thoughts, Reed and Matt's thoughts on UCLA. Reed, we can start with you. Pretty much what everyone else said. Definitely more impressed with UCLA than I was with USC. It was a trap spot. I picked ASU in this game. Their offense is legitimately good, like you said. Uh, and, you know, it easily could have gone bad, especially after Charbonnet went out. And UCLA weathered a couple of mistakes and put the game away, right? It was 35-10. There's nothing to worry about at that point. Um, on the ASU side, I respect them a lot. Read. Let Matt talk about UCLA first. <laughs> why are you why are you being so controlling? Let the flow flow. All right, all right. Well then if if we're gonna talk about Arizona State, if we're gonna talk about Arizona State, Avery had dibs. Go ahead, talk about Trent Burgett. Trent Burgett, Burgett, Porsche, whatever the fuck his name is. I kept calling him I kept calling him Tanner on Twitter and no one was correcting me. I don't know what the fuck his name is. But he's he's good he's much better than emory jones like it this is a clear upgrade and this guy was has been on the team since Jaden daniels was here he was the backup last year um and apparently arizona state fans who i quite honestly don't listen to have been screaming for this guy to be playing and you know what they were right and i think it's kind of sad that he didn't get the start in the stanford game because arizona state probably would have won that game and Mm -hmm. would have a much better shot at bowl eligibility because now they're looking down the stretch and they have to go undefeated to get there and that's honestly just not going to happen but yeah trend forget is might be a a top seven quarterback i don't know i don't don't know i I was like waiting for that number what it was going to be i'm not sure Reed, what were your thoughts on Arizona State? Not to cut you off. I just want to make sure we, we hit UCLA first. Yeah, I don't know if I think Arizona State is better than some of the bottom tier teams, but I like them a lot more as an upset threat to the upper tier because of their offense. Uh, I think that they have the potential to make these games a lot scarier than like a Cal or a Stanford because those teams just can't put up points. And that's the recipe to beat the top tier. Um, so impressed with them. I don't really know where it goes from here, but there are some pieces on this roster that you have to like for a potential new coach coming in there. So we'll see how the season ends, but I, I would feel good if I'm an Arizona state fan in general about the outlook. Yeah. Matt, what about you? Thoughts about Arizona state thoughts about UCLA? I wouldn't feel good about Arizona state's outlook. They, these defenses in the Pac-12 are not good, and especially when you're getting a lot of your production when you're down three scores. Like I, I'm, I'm very hesitant to give Arizona State much credit for what they're doing offensively. Obviously, it is much better than whatever middle school ass offense they were running out there before <laughs> under Emory Jones. But like, it, this is not anything that they're doing against any elite defenses whatsoever. Um. On the UCLA side, though, like as to play devil's advocate going into a USC matchup, they had a 21% explosive play rate in this game. That is insane. That that is such a high, high rate. Yes, the success rate was good. Um, that is something that they've been able to do consistently throughout the season. And when you look at that loss against Oregon, what happened is that they weren't able to get the explosives in their offense, and that's where they stalled out, and their defense was such 
that they weren't able to hold Oregon back. And so as you project this to a USC matchup, USC has been extremely effective all season long at limiting the explosive plays. If UCLA isn't able to get explosives against USC, I don't know that they're going to be able to stop them. Um, to to the point where if you know even if you just have a single single drive that stalls out single drive that you get a field goal instead of a touchdown all of a sudden you're looking at a potential loss with that game and I think that Arizona State is actually quite bad like I I do not think this is a good football team at all and I think that there are some aspects of this that if you're trying to project any of it forward out of it I don't think there's much good you can take from this game but Matt what do you think of Tanner Baguette <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's obviously a lot better. Like the kid, the kid can actually throw the ball more than three yards, so that's great. That's I, all okay, I got. so I, <laughs> I do want to ask about the explosive thing, though, because uh, you're right. Not expecting ninety nine ninety uh, ninth percentile explosive play rate is uh, is is probably un, unreasonable. Carlos, but like ninety ninth percentile starts at like fourteen percent. Twenty one percent is insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's that's completely fair, but. UCLA ranks seventh in the country in explosive play rate, um, an explosive in per beta rank. Um, they have they they have an ex, an offense designed for explosive plays. Now Oregon and USC do too. They're number two and number three. Um, but I don't know. You don't think that you don't think that they'll be able to get explosive plays against a USC defense that I don't know is kind of spotty in preventing them. Can you quickly find like how USC's defense ranks in explosive play? Yeah, give me one second. Say something while I look for this. Because that's that's my thing with USC is that they have look USC. You're going to be able to success rate against them all day long, especially if that's how you play. They live on that they are going to create more explosive and havoc plays on their side than they're going to give up in explosive plays. So like that that's kind of how they how they do things defensively. I like I look at the way that Arizona State has started running their offense under Tanner Baguette and I do think that I think that there's a lot about that that is fairly similar to how USC is running their offense where they are they are definitely doing a lot of that intermediate stuff, a lot of the crossers, a, a lot of things that I think they're going to be extremely successful against UCLA with. Do you have that stat? Give me, yeah, I do. Uh, give me your guess as to where USC ranks in the country or in the Pac-12, whatever you prefer. Uh, where USC ranks in explosive play defense, and where UCLA ranks um, defensively. So, in the for USC, I would say in Pac-12, they are definitely top top half. I bet they're third or fourth. Um, nationally, I'll bet they're in the forties. So USC is actually 99th in explosive play rate, and they're bottom three in the Pac-12. Uh, only uh-huh. Arizona and Colorado are worse per beta rank in explosive drives. UCLA, they're number two in explosive uh, play defense, if you want to call it that. Uh, they are 22nd in the country in preventing explosive plays. How many plays. explosive teams have they played? Yeah, I didn't know you were using beta rank. Yeah, I'm using beta <laughs> I think rank. you asked explosive play rate. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, not explosive play rate. We could look at that, uh, some other stuff. I can look at that, but it's explosive, fine. but beta rank is opponent adjustment adjusted. So, mm-hmm. anyway, any other, so we'll have to see about UCLA. We'll have to see about USC. They play in two weeks. Hopefully, I think this will be true because UCLA and USC have been very good at avoiding trap games. Have not, you know, USC gets Colorado next week. Like, that's an automatic win. UCLA gets something a little bit scarier in Arizona, but it's at home, and Arizona has struggled a little bit. Um, although, who knows? You never know. We're going to really test that explosive um, beta rank metric in that game. 
So we'll we'll see. But any other thoughts about this game? I'm even looking at the. I'm even like projecting it to the Arizona game. Like Arizona has a very explosive offense. Yeah, they do. They do. All right. Well, let's get to the final three games here. I Let- can't believe there's still three games that we haven't <laughs> talked about. What the fuck? I know this slate was horrible. The last couple of weeks have been horrible, and this is what happens. As we said, what the the good thing about having a really top, a really good top tier, and a really bad, or or, or sort of like four teams who are clearly above everyone else is it's great because you get those clashes that we never see but it's bad because they're just beating they're just beating you know the rest of the teams that's all going chalk uh i guess i i don't know i guess i don't know if i miss the pac-12 doing that thing where they have a dumb loss to like arizona state or some random ass team but i miss it <laughs> we're not getting them we have not gotten them at all but we'll see maybe we do Anyway, last three games. Let's talk about these super quick because these were uh, wildly uneventful, as we've alluded to. Oregon blasted Colorado in Boulder, forty-nine to ten. This was uncompetitive almost from the start. Oregon took a twenty-one nothing lead in the first quarter. Meanwhile, Wazoo did the same to Stanford. They scored a season high fifty-two points to beat the Cardinal, fifty-two to fourteen. And finally, Utah beat Arizona in a sloppy game in some very sloppy conditions, forty-five to twenty. Reed, let's start with you. Where do you want to take us from here of these three games with something that's sticking out to you? Really good bounce back game for Washington State. They've turned into a team that beats bad teams and consistently loses to good teams. Uh, So I'm interested to see what they do against Arizona State and Arizona. Looks like they're on track to be bowling. Uh, I was impressed. I did not think that Washington State's offense really had this performance in them. And (laughs) Stanford's Mm -hmm. defense... uh, you know, it hasn't been good on the season, but they've had some decent performances. They held Arizona State to 15. Um, I did not, you know, I did not expect Washington State to get remotely close to the 50s in this game. So good for them in that regard. They really made a statement early in this game. And yeah, it was never close. Uh, three, what, what did I think? I'm going to look this up exactly what the number was. Washington State had... 306 yeah. rushing yards that was unreal this is an air raid <laughs> offense what the fuck was that i like they ran the ball what uh it looks like they ran it 37 times Oof. 37 uh clearly jake dickert was like i don't really give a shit if we're an air raid team stanford's <laughs> run defense is horrible and it was the right call um because man they stanford was not able to stop anything on the ground uh, I, I don't even know who the I can't even remember who the name Watson. of the Nakia Watson. That's right. Uh, I barely remember the name of Washington State's running back. Like, <laughs> uh, and he had 16 attempts, 166 yards, 10.4 rushing yards per play uh, for Nakia Watson. Truly insane stuff. Any other thoughts about Washington State? Real quick, about uh, do we feel good about them now? I feel like they're bowl eligible. No. You think they're bowl eligible? Oh, bowl eligible. Yeah, they only okay. need one more win. I don't feel better about them though. I think they're just like completely okay i think looking at this and saying that washington state has figured out its offensive struggles is dumb because stanford's defense (laughs) is genuinely that bad but it was fun to see them get their running game going because we haven't seen any of that all season not even like a spark of that so they really could have used that last week the run game (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. that really really would have made a difference and because we haven't seen the running game before this week the only takeaway I really have coming from this game is I just somehow feel worse about Stanford than I did before. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I can't feel worse. I 
that it's yeah, on the you floor, were too right? high on Stanford then, buddy. I yeah. think I was. But I Stanford right. does have a transitive win over Clemson now because Notre Dame <laughs> they do. destroyed Clemson, which was <laughs> yeah. fucking unreal. And so maybe Stanford yeah, would. And Jaden Daniels also beat Alabama. Like, apparently the Pac 12 is fucking gods. Stanford <laughs> would be the best team in the ACC. <laughs> this, is, this is canon. Uh-huh. That's, I think uh huh. I think that's just Greg. Where do you want to Where do you want to take us for these for these three games? So I was at the Utah Arizona game, so I have thoughts about that one. Uh, first thing I want to say is I don't think this was indicative of either of these two teams at all because the weather sucked. Mm-hmm. It was horrible. Uh, it was really windy, swirly winds, and it was really rainy. And <laughs> you could see the effects of that rain. From the beginning, because Arizona had a total of seven fumbles, <laughs> and Utah had three. It was, it, everyone was dropping the ball. Uh, Jaden Delora, their center, cowing. It was, it was, it was chaos. And I really think the weather, the wind, and the rain, kind of forced Arizona to change how they play offensively. And I think that really was disappointing for me as someone who wanted to see more of the Arizona receivers, who I think are one of the best in the conference, and the Utah secondary, which I think is the best secondary in the conference, uh, including Oregon State. No, Oregon State secondary is better. Watch watch teams outside your own, please. <laughs> no, Utah's is better. I'm sorry. Utah uh, has more talent. Utah's and so that makes it more embarrassing that Oregon State is in this conversation <laughs> at all. Utah's is better at football. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I'm disappointed we didn't get to see more of that. Uh, by the time that Arizona was like successfully throwing the ball without, or successfully attempting to throw the ball without fumbling uh, before they had the chance, Utah had the backups in, so we didn't really get to see as much of that matchup as I wanted. But outside of that, there's just not a lot to take away from this. Cam Rising looked really rusty, which was kind of concerning. Uh, Utah brought in Nate Johnson, which is their four-star quarterback. He's a freshman. He's going to redshirt this year, but... Man, he is athletic, incredibly fast. Yeah, he was good. Uh, makes me really excited as a Utah fan. And then uh, finally, I was I was really proud of Jed Fish for shamelessly chasing the backdoor cover. I've never <laughs> seen anything like it. Uh, at the end of the game, it's over. Utah's up by like 35. Uh, Arizona scores because of a PI in the end zone. And so they are was it PI or is it timeout? I don't remember, but they score because of something to do with the refs. <laughs> and then he goes for two, despite the fact that they're down four touchdowns. <laughs> and then he kicks the onside kick, despite the fact that they're down. Four okay. Touchdowns. I know, I know that like, it was like so clown, funny clown on teams that do that shit. But when you're in Arizona and you got one win last year, that technically I wouldn't even call that a win. That was a forfeit. Um, mm-hmm. do dumb shit. Have have fun. <laughs> Don't have shame. If you if you are a team with only three wins on the season and and have like really no shot uh, at uh, bowl eligibility, be shameless. You get to. You've earned the right. As an Arizona better in this game, I I definitely appreciate it. <laughs> Although, <laughs> just reminded me of another thing. Jed Fish's game management kind of stinky. Don't mm-hmm. like it. He doesn't understand the clock he just he believes time is limitless i think (laughs) and so you've got them wasting 40 seconds every play while they're down four touchdowns in the fourth quarter like what on earth are you doing doing that 
I feel like there was another yeah, one where a... there was some insane. Oh, Kaylin DeBoer. Oh, yeah. Kaylin DeBoer was taking timeouts at the weirdest fucking times on Friday. I don't even know what was and going on. He does on. that regularly. Um. Anyway, hey, Matt, anything about this Utah Arizona game? I know you were probably watching this intently. Um. Yeah, I really did not like Arizona's offensive game plan. Um. Considering the. Uh, the weather, as well as just considering the way that Utah's defense plays, um, mm-hmm. they they did not really attack the intermediate to the short passing game at all against Utah, um, and really invited the, the Utah front to be able to have an impact in this game. I don't think that the play calling really did anything to neutralize that at all. Utah's offense did what they were supposed to do. I just kind of like an intriguing thing to monitor. Cam Rising did not run the ball in this game at all. Mm. Any time that they wanted to involve a QB run play, they always put in Nate Johnson um, or like did direct snap stuff. So um, especially is what we've seen with the Utah offense and like how they've been able to play something to monitor there uh, going forward, especially looking at the Oregon game in a couple weeks. So um, yeah, that was really it there. Stanford, Man, Stanford um, and and Wazoo actually getting in on their fumble bullshit. They recovered four forced fumbles, four recovered fumbles for Wazoo in this game. Um, <laughs> entirely doing the callback to last year on that. That was that was something else. And as an under better in that game that I felt incredible about. Um, that was that was yeah, a tough that watch. That was a a very <laughs> very tough watch. Uh, Graves, what about you? Any anything from Oregon, Colorado, Wazoo, Stanford, Utah, Arizona that you were that stuck out to you? Oregon looks like the best team in the conference still. I mean, they played Colorado, but like there was no question marks about that game at all. Oregon looked really good and complete, which I feel I feel good about because I don't want Oregon to do stupid shit to blow this conference chances at being good at the end of the season. Um, I don't know. Washington State, Stanford was really really boring. Um, Cam Ward didn't have a great game. I've decided I don't like Cam Ward because of his TikTok presence. <laughs> Racism. <laughs> Updating the wow the listeners out there. I don't like that he calls women females, and you know what? He's not good enough to justify it. So fuck Cam Ward. We are on the Jack Comer train. Um, yeah, I don't have a lot of thoughts about Arizona, Utah. Cam Rising looked rusty, but I feel like that makes sense because he hasn't played a game in a long time, and he's not completely healthy i thought it was funny how they handled the tavion thomas stuff because the, the announcers kept talking about it like uh yeah he's available if they need him he's in the locker room <laughs> and dewey made a funny joke about how he's a robot that they need to turn on <laughs> he was, i didn't think we'd see him in this game and then he came out and it was just he was he was doing kick coverage the entire game was he doing kick coverage i didn't it know it was that. super fun to watch because yep. i have never seen anyone more excited to do kick coverage than Davion <laughs> Thomas. Happy he for was Davion so Thomas. so fucking pumped every time he ran down the field and got to like hit someone. Loved it. <laughs> the crowd loved it. Every time he came out onto the field, big cheers. <laughs> and especially when he finally got to start running at the end of the That's game. That's also completely unhinged to have your best running back on the team on kick coverage. But Yo, considering recent it, events. Like, he needs the engagement in, throughout the game and he needs like he is best when he is running downhill and running over people. And what better way to do that and to get him in that mindset than say, go and do that on like kick return. Mm-hmm. Why I, is he uh, not? Pl- why is he not doing that as a fucking running back? Because he get, keeps getting in fights with the coaches. Oh, I think there's that. And also I'm not convinced that he's better than 
three of Utah's. I'm not. I'm not convinced he isn't the fourth best Utah running back at this That's point. That's fucking crazy. In you are game, listening to the propaganda that the white coaches are telling you. He was absolutely Stop listening to Morgan Scout. The worst of the running backs who was playing. Jalen Glover is 100 percent a better running back. Any fucking reps in practice because the coaches hate him. I mean that's on his that's on him <laughs> that, that's absolutely on him showing up, uh, showing up to practice Jaylen, helps with getting yeah, reps you should show up yeah. to practice you should show up to class if you want to play uh, Jalen Glover looked really impressive uh, Jaquindon Jackson looked really impressive fumble aside uh, and Makai Bernard as always is a, is just a very complete player's pass protection I really like and he can catch passes better than any of the others. So I'm I'm not convinced that Tavion Thomas isn't the fourth best Utah running back at this point. He hasn't he hasn't played like any better than the fourth best this year. I I don't yeah. know that that's arguable. Yeah, well, this is coming from two dorks who said that he was uh, Derrick Henry. So I just uh, think it's whoa, whoa, funny whoa, whoa. that this I is even a discourse. That. Like, what the fuck? I, I didn't <laughs> say so he's funny. not playing like Derrick Henry. Uh, <laughs> Jalen Glover shit. is just much better than Derrick Henry. I think that's what we have to confront. <laughs> Listen, when you have Cam Newton and you need to make room for Lamar Jackson, you got you got to get those guys on the field. Yeah. Sometimes Derrick Henry has to take a back seat. It's okay. Wasn't there a whole off-season discourse about Tavion Thomas versus Zach Charbonnet? Yeah, yeah it was stupid. That was dumb. <laughs> pretty, uh, <laughs> yeah. pretty stupid now. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really stupid. However, I did call. I did call Jalen Glover being higher on the Utah depth chart than Tavion Thomas by the end of the year. Didn't uh, you pick Tavion so just... Thomas as the best quarterback in your rankings, though? Running preseason? back. Running back. Running yeah, back? I did. I did. Yeah. Uh, it's aging aging poor let's go take up the archives yeah. and play that next week <laughs> nice uh, uh, i only- had byron cardwell third so tough we got to do that running back rankings reed brings it up every week and we never do it but we'll do it yeah. we'll do it at some point <laughs> Uh, my only wide receivers are more important, anyways. Reed, shut yeah, up. Yeah, there you go. There you go. My only thoughts about these games: uh, Oregon and Utah are doing that thing where they like UCLA and USC are like playing with their food and the kind of looking like dumb, stupid teams who are just sleepwalking through their t- their like bad opponents. But Utah and Oregon are doing that thing where they're blasting uh, the the bad teams that they have in front of them, which I never know what to think of. Sometimes I think like, yeah, that matters for something. It shows that you're dominant. It shows that you like are actually getting up for games. It shows that you have some discipline. But then they play each other and it's like, oh, okay, never mind. Uh, so I guess <laughs> uh, I guess we'll find out. That's my only, my only take is that, again, I am noticing Utah and Oregon dominating bad teams while UCLA and USC play with their food. But they're all, you know, one loss. Uh, I guess Utah's a two-loss team, but they're one loss in conference. So we will see how that goes. All right, that's it for our game recaps. Let's talk MVPs. Greg, who was your MVP this week? Peyton Henry. Uh, <laughs> he only really needed to make one kick. He only <laughs> needed to make one kick. And he did it. And he won me a lot of money. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very pleased with him. Uh, great job. Uh, he's my MVP. Is that is that really your MVP? <laughs> Who's Peyton Henry? He's the kicker for He's Washington's UW. kicker, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't I wouldn't know that. Uh, very funny. Avery, who's your MVP this week? Mm. Tanner Borgay. Ta- Trenton Trent, Trent. Borgay uh, <laughs> is my MVP. Uh that's a that's a good one. He had a pretty good game. Uh even though he Arizona State lost. You all are just mailing it in with these MVP picks. I didn't think about it before. <laughs> Matt, who's your MVP? Hopefully you have a real one. 
<laughs> Thank God for Michael Mothershed. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, like the entire uh, the entire Oregon State UW game uh, that like doesn't have anything to do with like how the score was actually affected. That game was by far my favorite. Total MVP. Agreed with Greg. Won a bunch of money. Um, we saw my favorite <laughs> Pac-12 tradition of uh, Washington punters versus Oregon State. Um, <laughs> Michael Mothershed had a great time. Immediately saw- before that punt, I, I called the muff punt. Oh, there was there was a river in the sky and a rain shadow. Have you ever seen both of those at the same oh. time? Like cataclysmic events there. Um, the lights obviously going out. Shades of of 2019 Cal UW in that. Just just a great, great four and a half hour experience for your boy. <laughs> <laughs> Reed, please save me. You got a, a, an actual That was a good MVP, MVP, Carlos. <laughs> my, my MVP is the only player from this conference who will be ending the season in New York. Don't say Bonex. Don't say Bonex. God damn it. Heisman <laughs> finalist. I'm writing it down. Heisman finalist. I don't know. I, I want to have this discourse really quickly. Everyone's telling me that the reason Bonix was underwhelming is because he had to play in the SEC West. I present you Jaden Daniels. <laughs> I demand to know how we are allowing Bonix to get away with this. Also, right. if he was bad in the SEC West because he played in the SEC, why are we giving him Heisman credit for being good in a weaker conference? It doesn't make any fucking sense. I think Jaden Daniels was elite all, the lo- all along. Fuck the Utah fans that told you otherwise. No, you're, you're dumb. Yeah, you're dumb. <laughs> Um, Jaden Daniels You're is never racist. elite. Jaden Daniels is still not elite. Uh, okay, yeah. he's as good as Bonex, and I. No, he's not. I'm just kidding. No, he's not. He's, he's a he's no, he's he as just good led... as Bonex. Okay, no, he's not. Oh my god, Greg just hates Jaden Daniels because of some weird recruiting. Look what Jaden Daniels did in the Pac-12. Look what Bonex did in the Pac-12. Uh, look what look yeah. what Jaden Daniels is doing in the SEC. If Jaden Daniels I think had Bonex Dan has Lenning... more touchdowns this year than Jaden Daniels had in his ASU career. <laughs> That's well, probably true. I wonder why that was, Greg. <laughs> it couldn't possibly be a man named Herm Edwards behind all of this. <laughs> Fuck you, Greg. Uh, it was surely Herm Edwards' fault that Bonix. I mean, not Bonix. It was Herm Edwards' fault that Jaden Daniels was throwing it at his receiver's feet. Yeah, it was. Should have coached him up. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, I actually have a serious MVP. You guys fucking suck. Uh, you, every single one of you. Why are serious MVP? is DTR's hurdles. Okay. Yes. Yes. That's, yes, that's a good one. I, I'm going to pick Caleb Williams. He had another insane game. I don't know what y'all are talking about. Mm. Yes. Yeah, it's good. He went 26 for 41, 360 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. Again. He looked fucking insane. Um, actually, I will say there weren't very many huge breakout games. Honorable mentions, I guess, like, Nikia Watson did have that 16 rushing attempts, 166-yard game that we alluded to. Kaz uh, Allen ran the 100-yard dash, like, three times. Yep, Kaz Allen had a couple of really highlight plays. Yeah, it was good. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. There wasn't a ton of breakout. I think a lot of it had to do with, like, weather stuff that we would have seen elsewhere. Uh, Oregon State secondary, like, all of them. I don't know. That that whole unit should get uh, an MVP honorable mention, at the very least. Um, they were awesome. So, all right. Well, that's our MVPs for the week. That's our recap of everything that went down in the Pac-12 in week 10. We got the AP poll. AP poll just dropped as we were recording as it normally does. Here are the rankings for the Pac-12 teams. Number six, Oregon. They move up two spots from number eight. USC moves up a spot to number number eight. UCLA moves up a spot to number nine. Utah drops a spot 
to number 13 after they get jumped by i think they got jumped by no i'm pretty sure they were 14 last week i'm pretty sure utah was at 14 last week in the ap poll and the ap poll ap poll here i'm looking at the website they, they were 12 one. in yeah. the ap poll Yep. Oh. oh. They got jumped okay. by Clemson, who lost. No, I'm Clemson, just kidding. That was a joke. Yes. That they was got a jumped joke. by LSU. <laughs> they got jumped by LSU. So they got jumped by LSU, uh, and they stay behind Clemson. So, uh, And then Washington enters the AP poll at number just 24. Just in time to just. lose a game. <laughs> uh, and Oregon State, our beloved Beavlet, they... <laughs> <laughs> no, they to 20. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that is pathetic. What the fuck? What the fuck? Rank Stanford, Stanford beat this Notre Dame team. What, Stanford. What are we in. doing? What are we doing if Notre Dame is ranked? It's the yeah. it's the cycle of of the AP influences the college football playoff and then the college football playoff influences the AP and then the AP influences the college football playoff. Like it's just <laughs> it's all bad like like Oregon, LSU was what fifteen in the last one, and then all of a sudden, because the like college football playoff, like LSU would not be ranked ahead of Alabama if the college they football playoff Bama. didn't put. I understand they would not be ahead of Alabama in the AP if it weren't for the college football playoff ranking LSU at like twelve. Yeah, they are more. They would not have made that big of a jump. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, they're just so all funny. reactive. They're all reactive and stupid. I think that Oregon should be the number one team in the country. many people are saying this many people are saying ohio state still got a number one vote that is absolutely hilarious to me so uh (laughs) any uh, let's start with reed on this one reed any uh any surprises uh things you're you're paying attention to watching the pac-12 teams and where they are in the people i think that top group still is getting a good amount of respect three top 10 teams for the pac-12 that's very impressive uh based on where this conference has been in the past i was Looking back at last year, in the first edition of the college football playoff rankings, the Pac-12 only had one ranked team, and it was Oregon. Um, and then Utah made the rise after that. We all know who that, right. that went. <laughs> right, but a lot better showing this year. So uh, I, I'm I'm good with how these polls are evaluating the conference, honestly. Yeah, I don't like the order. I think Utah should also be top 10. Like, why not? Uh, I, I would say maybe like resume-wise, probably behind Alabama. All right, fine, whatever. Um, I also think like, I don't know, I hate how the AP poll just like either goes based off the college football playoff or just goes based off what they have seen in prior weeks. USC should be behind Utah and UCLA, uh, in this AP poll, you know, they should be like, if, if anyone's going to be outside the top 10, it should be USC. But, uh, we already know how big brands work. We've talked about it. That's, uh, that's how it is, but I don't know. Pretty cool. We got five. We now have five ranked teams in the PAC 12 pretty consistently, if Oregon beats Washington, that'll knock Washington out of the uh, AP poll. But I don't know. Any other thoughts about AP poll rankings, where the Pac-12 teams are? No, the rankings overall have been really bad this season, I think. Yeah. I think we're going to get there at the end of the year where everybody's going to be in the right spot. Just because like, I, a lot of these teams still need to play each other at the top. But... I, like I completely agree. I think that USC is way overranked. I actually think Utah's overranked. I do not think that they should be the highest two loss team outside of Alabama or LSU. Um, and I def- like I definitely don't think they should be ranked again ahead of North Carolina. Like I I think that Washington and Oregon State should be ranked higher. I think that that should have been a ranked matchup, and I think that that should have been like a top twenty matchup. So. It, it's all just been really bad. Ole Miss is still at 11 is absolutely comical to me, but you know, 
we'll get there. It'll get there. We'll just do the bullshit in in the meantime. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Well, let's move on to do some calibrating of the league right now. I have a question for y'all. Uh, you know, we, we obviously have our four clear contenders, UCLA, USC, Oregon, Utah. We know they're going to play each other on a massive week 12 slate on November 19th. We'll get to all that in a bit. But Washington did just beat a ranked and mostly good Oregon State team. UW is now 7-2, and two, uh, and they have a big matchup against Oregon on the docket. And I want to I do a thought experiment here with y'all. Washington's one game back from being in that conversation with UCLA, USC, Oregon, and Utah. And if it weren't for some insane turnover luck against ASU, in addition to their own defensive woes, they might actually be 8-1 and one with everyone else. So, uh, given that, do you all think that UW has a shot at the Pac-12 title spot? Now, before any of you answer, I'm going to make my case here because I know, I know all of you nerds are going to say no. Uh, So you can respond to my thinking uh, instead. (laughs) So I think they can. I think it's not likely. But step one, they have to beat Oregon. And I, I think Oregon's been great, but their defense is still bad. And maybe the second to last of these four contenders. And their pass defense might actually be the worst of the four. Washington has an elite passing offense. I think they could totally beat Oregon. They have three great receivers. Oregon's DBs get burned all of the time. I think they can absolutely keep up with Oregon, even if it is in Eugene. And I also, the other part of my argument here that I think Washington can absolutely break into this conversation is there's no way all four Pac-12 teams win out except for November 19th. I know we keep saying this, and it hasn't happened, but I just refuse to believe that every single favorite in the Pac-12 is just going to win from here now. So me personally, I think... They have a shot. It's going to be tough. It's going to be some work, but I do not think this is insane. So I want to okay, start with Greg. Everyone's an signed. Can I literally start? An so I know everyone's mad. No, I know no, everyone's I'm mad. I'm starting. Greg is starting. <laughs> Greg's going to say something boring and dumb about how they're just going to lose this week. I have something fun to say. All right. We'll get. All right. Greg, we'll go Greg, Avery, Reed, and then Matt. So Greg, start us off. Sure. Silence me. That's great. I'm glad that you're starting with me because I love having the opportunity to call you insane because you're (laughs) fucking insane there's no fucking way they're gonna make it okay they're just not nearly as good as oregon oregon's offense is the best in the conference oregon's offense is significantly better than washington's and oregon's defense is better than washington's too like how on earth does washington get that win if not by insane turnover luck I, I just I just don't understand how you get there. Bo and as for the other favorites, Nicks. they're not playing good teams. <laughs> Bo Nix, who is leading the country in touchdowns right now. Okay. The very same. A- Avery, go ahead. Um, I agree with you that these four teams aren't going to win out um, because UCLA plays Arizona this week. And <laughs> that's going to be a loss for UCLA. No. Um, Washington has to go to Autzen. And I think that's going to be really, really bad for them. And I, saying that Oregon's defense is bad is stupid. Oregon's defense might be better than Utah's. That's not saying anything. Utah's defense is bad too. And but yet you, Utah's <laughs> defense is still somehow top half because the conference is yeah. so bad. Like yeah. I don't, I don't think this is going to be a problem at all for Oregon to handle UW. Oregon's or Oregon's uh, defense is seventh in the Pac-12 per beta rank. I'm just saying. Don't care. <laughs> All right, fine. Reed? I know Reed's going to... I already know where Reed's at. Go ahead, Reed. I've been in the same boat as you that I thought upsets would come. I'm just over kind of predicting that because they haven't all season. Uh, Yeah. Especially with home favorites. 
on top of that, I just don't really see it. I mean, the matchup between UW's wide receivers and Oregon's secondary will be interesting, but Oregon, I think, can stop them from running the ball, uh, and Oregon's offense is just better than theirs also. So I don't know if I really see the path, but there's a chance, there's a chance of, of them beating Oregon. It takes a lot else on top of that, though. There's also a chance that like every of these top four teams loses the rest of their games and shit like that. Like it's not going to happen. <laughs> Matt, you use this idea that like these top four teams aren't going to win out. No shit. They play each other. Like, of course they can't win. <laughs> I out. mean, against, against non themselves teams, like outside of these top four, There's only like three okay, games. But, left. So like, let's go through and play that game then. So if, if you dub, let's say you dub loses or beats Oregon, now you have five teams that are at one conference loss, right? So then you look at if Utah and Oregon, I'm going to I'm going to say way too many numbers. This is not going to make sense. This is perfect for an audio platform. Um, <laughs> Oregon and Utah then play. So now you're down to you, those two. One of them will fall to a one loss team. And the problem is, is that Washington doesn't have Washington misses USC. So they've already lost the tiebreaker to UCLA. And if they lose to Oregon, if they beat Oregon, they'll have that tiebreaker. But then I don't think Utah's beating Oregon. So all of a sudden, you either need Oregon to lose again to, to like whom? get out, to lose to Utah to get out of like weird okay. tiebreaker shit. Or if they lose to an Oregon State and beat Utah, now all of a sudden you're looking at like some additional. There, there's just too many tiebreaker things that would have to happen yeah. for Washington to be able to get in. Frankly, they might like need to lose this game to Oregon to be able to have a chance. But then again, you're in a spot where you have two tiebreakers that you've lost. Like if you lose to Oregon, but then Oregon goes through and starts losing other games, maybe, but it just, no, I don't, I don't think that mathematically they have much of a shot at all. They can't get in over UCLA unless chaos happens there because they lose the tiebreaker and they can't get in over the winner of Oregon, Utah, whoever it is. So I just don't see it. Also, UW already has two conference losses. I think that's what we keep forgetting. They literally lost to ASU. (laughs) So they are way behind. I do forget that. Yeah. Yeah. I just said a bunch of one loss. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, there's just no way. Yeah. There's. it's just hard because they are winning games, and if they beat Oregon, it's like they're going to be they, – they absolutely could be left out. But it's like Oregon has a tough spot. Like, they got to play – Oregon has to play in addition to UW. Uh, they got to play Utah, and they got to play Oregon State. Those are – all three of those are losable games. I I'm going to say as long as Ben Goldbranson is the quarterback at Oregon State, that it's not a losable game. <laughs> in Corvallis? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Do you replace – like, it's almost like Corvallis raises Ben Goldbranson to, like, Jake Plummer's level. <laughs> <laughs> does it though does it though oh, i mean no. i guess we'll see and if then anything Utah, in the conference is gonna make bonex bonex it's the oregon state defensive backs yes. in corvallis yeah that mm-hmm. is what i'm that is what like bonex people pen conference yeah it <laughs> no it'll be a seven to three win like i'm not saying <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah oregon state ain't scoring 40 <laughs> yeah I okay. So I mean I I agree that Washington's path is hard. I Maybe just Maybe the conversation we should be having here is does Oregon State have a path? <laughs> uh, let's let's write that one up and talk about it. Washington being on the road at Oregon and on the road in Pullman is really just like the simplest answer to this. They're not going 3 and 0. Okay. In their last All three right. games, they're going to drop at least one. Yeah, that's that's probably true. All right. Fine. Fine. Okay. Dumb well, exercise. let's talk let, let's Stupid. do 
<laughs> I don't think that's bad for UW though, because honestly, I didn't think they'd get even seven wins this season. So yeah, good for them. Seven now yeah, to be they're where at, they're at. They're at seven now. So um, okay, let's talk about Pac-12 defenses. Let's talk about the top four. Uh, Every single one of these teams, I think we know this. We've talked about this uh, ad nauseum every week. They have incredible offenses. Their defenses, we all agree, have been pretty weak this season, even even in their big dominant wins. So I, I want to ask this, uh, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask each of you first to name the best defense of the top four, not in the Pac-12, of the top four. I'm going to ask you to each name it, and then we're going to discuss. So let's start with Avery. Avery, who can I first say that I think this is a really dumb prompt and I don't think we should talk <laughs> about it. And here's why. Um, you had to specify the best defense of the top four teams because the best defense isn't a top four team. That is true. Yes. This conference is full of shitty defenses. There's not the top three defenses might be from non top four teams. Yes, like Cal Wazoo and Oregon State might be the best defenses. So why are we even talking about the defense of the top four teams? Because when those they teams don't aren't gonna do anything in the Pac twelve. Well, I just don't think it matters. <laughs> I think it's going I think it's gonna matter because they play each other on November nineteenth. The 19th. best defense of the top four Pac twelve teams is God, they're all bad. It's probably Oregon. It's probably Oregon. Oh, okay. All right. Oregon. So Avery's got Oregon. But I feel bad about it because I think Oregon's like not top half. Greg? I have no fucking cl- I know it's not USC. Mm-hmm. Yes. I know it's not USC. But I think you can make an argument for any of Oregon, UCLA, or Utah. I think I'd also go Oregon, but I don't feel confident in it. Okay. I- I'd say it's UCLA. Uh, uh, we know you'd say that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Homer. <laughs> Matt, okay. Well, you saying it's UCLA before I'm about to say it's Utah with a bullet. Now that that's that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's Utah for for Matt. Reed, I think I'd lean Utah. It's between them and Oregon for me. Okay, let let's let's talk about this because I feel like we. <laughs> It's true. You're right. These are not even the probably yeah, the top three themselves. I'm abstaining from this conversation because I think it's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, here's the thing is not only do they have to play each other, but they're going to have to play each other. Two of these teams will play each other in the Pac-12 title game. Like, it's it's hard. It's like weird that they are all bad defenses, but I don't know. So, uh, <laughs> Matt, you, you start us off. You were very confident in saying it was Utah with a bullet. Let's hear it. I think it's the Reed's only defense. Like that wishing we could talk about running backs right now so bad. <laughs> yeah, kind of, right? Um, I think it's the only unit that can actually impact the game. I think that kind of where Avery's talking about with like this is a really you know dumb conversation is because I, these offenses are so elite that it truly it really doesn't matter what the defenses do. It has to do with whether or not the offenses beat themselves. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's if they stall out, if they I think that Utah defense is the only one that actually has the ability to impact the game and to actually dictate anything, Um, mostly just because of of the way that they are actually able to cover and and Mm -hmm. generate interceptions. So, um, yeah, I don't I like I don't I think that Oregon is good and i think that they can dictate things if you can't pass the ball but all these teams very much can and so i think that they're pretty easy to um to beat and to run around and so yeah it's it it has a lot more to do with how bad i think the other three are than i than it is it is to do with like utah being good i know i was gonna abstain from this conversation (laughs) but i have something to add 
Um, Matt made a really good point about how none of these units really look like they can impact the game, but uh, Noah Sewell is on one of these defenses, and he can impact the game because he can play offense. <laughs> and that's what matters in this conference. <laughs> Noah Sewell can score offensive touchdowns. Therefore, Oregon has the best defense. We've been asking Clark Phillips to return kicks. I, I don't think that's the only <laughs> yeah, thing. he really should. He really should. That would be so funny. Um, I, go I ahead, think, Greg. I Matt might be right because by far the best unit any of these defenses have is Utah secondary. Like Utah secondary is a genuinely great unit. It's just the front seven is bad. You so Utah's defense might be the best just because who has a, a good front seven? I think UCLA's might be the best, mostly because of Leatu La Leatu uh for UCLA. Uh, he's a great pass rusher, and I think he's probably the best any of these teams have. And Oregon's linebackers just haven't been as impressive as we hoped they would be. So it might be Utah just because the secondary is head and shoulders above everybody else. Specifically in their ability to impact, right? Like, mm-hmm. I do think that Oregon's front seven is very good. I don't think they have a dominant aspect to them, though. Like, yeah. th- there's not a game wrecker in the front seven. And I do think that Clark Phillips is a genuine game breaker. And Zamaya Vaughn is looking really good. He had like three pass breakups against Arizona while covering uh, good receivers. I mean, he had a great game. He got thrown at 72 times, like three for 72. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Reed, let, let's hear your, you You leaned Utah. Are you feeling the same way that it's that they have people who can change the game, the complexion of a game? To make the case for Oregon, they've delivered the best performance in one of these matchups between top four teams. What they did to UCLA is the most impressive defensive showing that anyone has had in those top four in those matchups between top Ooh. four teams. Oh, you Carlos mean, and I are you both ready when, to fight this. <laughs> you mean when when UCLA scored on every single possession, that that game, that performance? Yeah, forced a single punt. They had they had sixteen points going into the fourth quarter. And again, because they didn't get did the they, ball. Because they didn't you have the get, ball. <laughs> you don't get points for punting. You win the game based on scoring. Hey, they, onside kicks are on the defensive side of the ball, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, that was a defensive choice. What the fuck are you talking about, Reed? The, you could make any argument about no, forcing, field, good, good forcing field goals is a great way to play defense. If you force field goals, you'll win games. The, how is that break. a bad art? They had 16 points entering the fourth quarter. Because One they onside did kick not doesn't have a possession. It, yes, it does. And the reason why it does is because they get an extra possession <laughs> because you because UCLA did not have the opportunity to score another possession. If they get an extra possession, they maybe have what twenty three well, points that, and then it's like a, it's a one score game and they get the ball back. Like, what are you talking about? They did not. They were not able to stop UCLA in that game. We talked about this at when it happened. That was not a good defensive performance. I think you have arguments against any other sort of team, but you picked the one where Oregon literally never stopped the opponent from scoring one that's not true they got an interception on the in the game two more two more times this argument would be so much stronger if ucla had punted the ball even one time (laughs) well well, i mean but forcing field goals on those drives is equivalent to getting punts in when you stack three forced field goals that's a huge win Against a team, against a team, you can't stop. Like they you're did, just like it's that's, like a, weird that's stop. a good thing. That that's is a good a thing. Stop. <laughs> in that, <laughs> in in these games, forcing a field goal is a stop. It. Okay. I think again, I want to go back to how this is a stupid conversation. We shouldn't be having it. 
I mean, Avery's right because Oregon's defense is ass. It sucks. They're I'm sorry. Bad. I don't care. They're all bad. It, it, like maybe we can say like they did. They, they suck. They they're they're horrific. They're bad. Win the uh, game. Oregon's defense then. is bad. Say it, Reed. Win. Reed, can you just say or. Oregon's defense is Score bad. Score more than 16 points going into the fourth quarter. That's fine. That's fine. We can talk about UCLA, Oregon. But do you agree that Oregon's that defense is Oregon's bad? Oregon's defense is not good by any stretch. No. But they have, they do actually have some game breakers as well. Like, I think Noah Sewell hasn't been himself through the season, but we've seen it before. I'm not going to write him off in one of these games making a play. And Christian Gonzalez is a top three cornerback in the conference. He had two... In the country. Yeah. yeah he's, he's elite. elite. They, like, there are playmakers on the team. Brandon Dorless as well, is amongst the most pressures in the entire, entire Power Five. So there, like, are players on this Oregon defense that can do something. And I think that throughout a game, especially part of this, too, is the game management from Dan Lanning sets this defense up very well for success because they don't they get protected from an extra possession at the end of a half. Um, I, I, yeah, I just disagree. I trust them in these games to limit teams. It's not about stopping them, but they limit points scored better than anyone else has in these matchups between top four teams. That's just a fact. I think the only other two games that have an argument to be more impressive defensive performances, uh, than this one, one of them is really stupid and I don't think it's probably up there, but like UCLA against Utah would be the first one I mentioned. Uh, and I think it's probably that one for me, but <laughs> you just knocked over your mic. Yeah, I know. I'm so uh, mad. <laughs> then there's, uh, I think the fact that Utah was able to get stops against USC in that game, they gave up a ton of points. So obviously it shouldn't be up there, but like they were legitimately good defensively in the second half against USC. And I think that deserves to be mentioned. I think we're going to have a lot to talk about in no truck stops therapy this week. <laughs> here's, here's the other thing I'll say about the points. Uh, Reed, Reed, in points per drive, if we use that as a defensive metric, Oregon is right there with USC, like identical in points per drive for uh, defensively. Like they're 94th in the country in points per drive. UCLA, Utah uh, are both ahead. In fact, uh, no, USC is one spot behind. They're at 2.53 points per drive. Oregon has 2.52 point per, points per drive. UCLA has allowed 2.31 points per drive. That's number 73 in the country. And Utah has allowed 2.34 points per drive, which is 78th in the country. So, like, they're good at limiting points, but also worse than the other three. Or Oregon will allow Colorado to hit an explosive play over their head and look really bad. It's but, not points, though. I said points yeah, per drive. Yeah, but... On the other side, against the best teams in the red zone, they can bow up on a third and five, and you can trust them to get a stop against the run, which you can't trust a lot of these other defenses to do. Okay, we'll see. We'll see. We have we have some big games coming up that I think will be uh, helpful. But thank you all for entertaining that conversation. <laughs> of course, we were going to fight about it. Reads all. <laughs> well, I'm glad. Honestly, glad Reed is here because we all would have shat on Oregon if we're being honest. We would have shat. I on wasn't Oregon. going to. Uh, yeah, yeah, me and Avery both called Oregon the best defense, <laughs> and I didn't feel good about it. And uh, it makes me sick. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that was our discourse this week. Let's talk about. Uh, let's make some game picks. All right. Uh, let's start with an update on our pick'em party, Greg. 
KG is, uh, he's dominant. Uh, nobody can stop him. He's leading the way. However, <laughs> Charlie Folkstead, I believe, is the leader on a week-to-week basis. He went five My of co-host. six. Good job, Charlie. Who's in third? Who's in third Reed's place? Reed's co-host. Who's in third place, Greg? Uh, you don't get participation <laughs> trophies. I'm I, sorry. Uh, I, I should. I didn't shout out Matt for being in second place either. Uh, yeah, KG is. I know, matters. but considering I'm in the conversation, I think it's embarrassing for everyone else involved. It's, I'm embarrassed. Yeah, you should uh, be. It's, it's been rough for me. I haven't been doing well, but that's fine because I'm leading our game picks. So, <laughs> yeah. go me. Anyway, yeah. congratulations, Charlie. Uh, five of six on the week. Very good. Better than the rest of us. Shout out the Quacked Out Podcast. Yes. Uh, Matt, let's hear a standings update. Uh, Greg is is running away with this thing. It's it's kind of terrifying, if we're being honest. Um, 57 and 14 has 58 points. Next closest is Carlos at 55. He's 53 and 18. I am 52 and 19, and Avery 49 and 22. We're crawling um, back. Where's Reed? Boy, howdy, Reed. What are you even doing here? What what do you do here? <laughs> Eight points out of you this season? Unbelievable. What's Reed's record? Eight and three. Oh, that's pretty good. Not bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say, Greg, two two straight weeks undefeated on the picks. Um That's right. Don't don't love to see that. I, I, I personally, I'm going to have to disagree. I do love to see that. Uh, all right. Well, uh, thank you all. I'm, I, the, I'm shedding the coin flip Carlos label, by the way. Um, being That's fine. second in these standings. So yeah. you all can, you all can fuck yourselves. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's get on to the actual games. First up, Friday night, Colorado traveling to LA to play USC. USC is a 21 and a half point favorite. Greg, who wins cool covers? USC wins and covers. Uh, Maybe we get a Colorado backdoor. The over is going to win hit, though. I'm sure of that. I don't even know what it is, but it has to hit. Avery? Oh, yeah. Uh, USC's going to win and cover. Friday night home game. Yeah, I'm being boring. USC wins and covers. Yeah, USC. I'm I'm actually... Car- Greg got in my head. The witch is out. Greg is in my head. All favorites. <laughs> Forevermore. Uh, yeah, give me USC to win and cover. If this was like USC minus 30... Any changes? No. <laughs> I'd be no. Actually, minus no. forty-five. Let's do it. Yeah, they'll they'll win fifty to seven. Yeah. It's... All right. All right. Fair. Uh, kickoff. Uh, kicking off on Saturday at twelve thirty Pacific. U- ASU travels to Pullman to play Wazoo. Wazoo playing for bowl eligibility. Grapes. Who wins? Who covers? I Wazoo wanna... is eight and a half, as a eight and a half point. I want to. I want to pick ASU, but I just fuck. I don't know. Uh... Yeah, I'll, I'll pick. I'll pick Wazoo. Washington State beats bad teams. I think Arizona State is bad, so I'll go with Washington State to win and cover. Yeah, give me Wazoo. I don't think. I don't think they cover though. I think ASU. I don't know. Something's weird about them. They can be weird sometimes. They have a great running game, uh, and I don't know. Wazoo's def- run defense is okay, but I'll, I'll say Wazoo wins. But I don't think they cover. Matt, who wins? Who covers? Wazoo. Okay, and Greg. Yeah, ASU's offensive line I don't think is good, and Washington State is built to make you hate yourself if you have a bad offensive line, so Wazoo <laughs> to win and cover. All right, 4 o'clock Pacific. This is Reed's Game of the Week. Check out his uh, Substack and his uh, Patreon episode to talk about this one in depth. UW traveling to Eugene to play Oregon. Oregon is a 12.5-point favorite. Who wins, who covers? 
Yeah, 16 of 18. That has a nice ring to it, doesn't it? Uh, Oregon's going to win and cover. <laughs> Oregon and UW Twitter are going to be so fucking insufferable for seven days. It's going to be so annoying. Uh, Matt, who wins, who covers? Oregon is a 12 and a half point favorite. Kind of high, I thought. Uh, I was going for 10, but... Well, that's why you're not on the gambling episodes. Uh, Oregon <laughs> by a lot. Oregon by a lot. Yeah, I've got Oregon winning. I don't think they cover though. I kind of think UW UW matches up pretty decently with Oregon, so I'm gonna no, I'm gonna don't. say UW. Uh, Greg, uh, UW has the worst secondary in the conference. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was muted, but I'm not. <laughs> uh, UW is the worst secondary the in the conference. <laughs> and to mute. Yeah. You know, it's the worst secondary in the conference. Oregon's going to win and cover comfortably. Wait, who did you pick? I picked Oregon, but UW to cover. Are we all going to pick Oregon? Yeah, UW's not great. Uh, Yeah, I'll pick Oregon. Okay. You had me worried there. I'll be a a duck this week. I think it'll be funny. (laughs) Worst time to be a duck for you. Let's go, ducks. Uh, 6 p.m. Pacific Cal traveling to Corvallis to play Oregon State. The Beavs are a 10 point favorite. Matt, who wins who covers? Sicko's game of the week. Oh! Ew! What the fuck? Oregon State wins and covers, but like, I'm completely comfortable with Oregon State scoring 10.5 points and it being 10.5 <laughs> to zero. Like, they'll find a way, Cal will find a way to give up half a point. And we could push this thing. Um, <laughs> actually, what's the path to scoring eleven? Can we have we can we get research on that? Um, uh, do you need a safety and three field goals? Oh, oh yeah, wow. I'm or you just really I'm on that I, shit. I think uh, touchdown two point conversion and then yeah. a field goal. Yeah, that's yeah. But why would you go for two? Touchdown feels like more of a stretch than a safety. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, and why would you go for two on the first touchdown? Because Jonathan no Smith has that. big balls. <laughs> Probably wind. It'll be windy. Ah, the yeah. wind, yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, I've got... I'm going to pick Oregon State to win and cover. I don't trust uh, Cal's aura. Aura. <laughs> uh, Greg. Uh, yeah, uh, Oregon State to win and cover also. Although, I wouldn't be surprised if Cal covered. Avery? I am once again angry and upset that I'm being expected to watch all this Cal. <laughs> I said I wasn't going to do this, and I've been watching so much fucking Cal this season. But yeah, Oregon State at home. I'm not worried about it. They're going to win and cover. Oregon State to win and cover. All right, we're all in agreement, I think. Group think is back. <laughs> uh, next up, 7 Pacific, Stanford. Traveling to Salt Lake City to play Utah. Utah is a 23 and a half point favorite every who wins who covers. Utah Utah's crazy good at home. It's it's like the Corvallis effect. So Salt they're gonna win in Salt Lake. Utah wins and they'll probably cover. Reed? Utah to win and cover again. I think I said that on everyone now. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Matt. Um Stanford gave up 300 rushing yards to an air raid team. Utah. <laughs> Utah ran for 350 yards against this team last year. I'm setting the Utah rushing total at over under 475. Oh my god. That'd be insane. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that'd be that'd be very bad. Nate Johnson uh, gets three touchdowns in this game and probably plays the whole second half, if not just starts. Just rest Cam Rising and run the triple. <laughs> like I don't um, even care. Utah by a billion. This is a great game to get some rest against uh 
get some rest to, to play against Oregon the next week. Um, I have Utah winning and covering. Stanford is a fucking trash can. Their Stanford, their run defense, as Matt alluded to, is horrific. Their offense, I think Tanner McKee might actually get injured this game. I, Utah's pass rush is like good enough to to create some havoc. Utah does play dirty, so. <laughs> uh, Utah likes to spam blitzes, uh, which I think could be a problem for Stanford, along with their bad run defense, so Utah wins and covers easily. Alright, everyone has Utah winning cover. Free the tree, by the way. Stanford does hate fun. Thank you for bringing that up, Avery. Uh, last game of the day, 7.30 Pacific. Arizona traveling to Pasadena to play UCLA. UCLA is a 17 and a half point favorite. Greg, who wins, who covers? So we didn't get the cover this last week against Utah at 17 and a half, but I'm going to blame that on the weather. Uh, this <laughs> week, I think we'll have better weather. And so UCLA is going to win, of course, but uh, I think Jed gets his backdoor cover this time. Avery? This is the Bad Vibes game of the week. Ooh. Oh, my God. I refuse to pick the favorites. I refuse to be like the rest of you. <laughs> I am not boring. I do not hate fun. I will carry the narratives on my back. Uh, Jed Fish to bowl eligibility. Oh it's happening. Oh, my God. We're going to get it. Uh, go Wildcats. Bear down. Bear down. Uh, Reed, bowl eligibility is on its last legs here. I'm torn. I think if an upset happens, this is probably the game that it does happen. But I think UCLA pulls it out close. Matt changed his pick in the fucking dock. Matt, change it back. <laughs> Don't be a bitch. I'm sorry. I saw it. Change it back. I Matt, haven't picked yet. It's not, graphic, it has not been audio recorded. We need the graphic to look like this. <laughs> Matt, I'm holding my beautiful bowl eligible boys in my arms they are drawing their last breaths i cannot abandon oh them in god. this time oh my god the graphic was gonna be so good and you ruined it <laughs> i'm picking arizona <laughs> so boring oh uh, what what do you want him to do i want him to pick ucla so the graphic is exactly the same except for me picking arizona <laughs> I think that'd be funny. That'd be very funny. But it's fine. Uh, I'm we ride UCLA. with bowl eligible Zona until it's dead. Uh, I am picking UCLA to win and cover. But what's the what's the over under on this one? Oh, it's got to be like seventy, right? I can't find anything posted yet for it. All right, neither fine. can I. I'm guessing it's, it's high. Like Seventy-five. It's high. I would take the over almost certainly. Uh, Arizona's gonna Arizona's gonna do some. Jane Delora was bad yesterday. What, was he? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he it was. was like fifty percent. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it was the rain. I feel like the I rain. Think, I think so you counts. can blame. The, I like to. I like to uh, shit on Jane Delora because it's fun. But uh, I think the rain was most of the problems. Although he does look in utter shock every time someone says a, sends a blitz at him, and I think that's very <laughs> funny. Uh, all right. Well, that's it. That's our show. Remember, we have a Pac-12 basketball episode coming out Tuesday morning, recapping opening day of the games. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review or subscribe to our Patreon for more Pac-12 football content and for my very well-reviewed Pac-12 basketball preview. That's Avery over there. That's Greg. That's Reed. That's Matt. I'm Carlos. Full squad for the first time ever. Uh, thank you all for listening. And remember, there are no truck stops here. Hi. <laughs> <laughs>
said, I'm lonelier than a single sax on a quiet city street. Things aren't always great.